You're listening to What's on the Block, hosted by X4 Technology. My name is Maxine Ewing, and I'm getting answers to the biggest questions on blockchain and the metaverse. The virtual world has a global community of innovators, and we are here to tell you what they're up to. I'm here today with Evan McMullen to talk about data and the metaverse. Evan McMullen is a Boys Club and Dow Jones member and co-founder and CEO of Disco XYZ. Disco is bringing fun to the metaverse with self-sovereign identity. This platform allows users to enjoy nuanced Web3 reputation associated to public identifiers across chains and Web2 while maintaining privacy and user autonomy. Evan, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me again, Maxine. Let's get this party started. How is the metaverse currently, or I guess the the world of the many metaverses currently dealing or, you know, contrarily not dealing with data privacy? I don't really think we've had a conversation as a community about what pillars of privacy or really any values we want to carry with us into the future outside of, you know, decentralization and autonomy. Um, So to that end, if we think about data privacy and really our ability to give consent over who gets to see and interact with us in in this new construct of the world, um, we we don't yet really have a party line. Instead, what's happening is we are inheriting the structures, both legal and social, from Web2 that mirror the kinds of experiences that we're bringing to bear, whether that's in persistent digital environments like virtual reality or whether that's in more financial constructs like decentralized finance and public blockchain protocols. And so um, we have a really you know, interesting, burgeoning community of privacy-focused uh, technologies, privacy-focused blockchains, um, methods of obscuring data as it is publicized. Um, and so it gets pretty easy to get lost in the weeds of you know, ZKPs and SNARKs and Starks, and all of these things are, are incredible implementation technologies. But it's also an invitation for us to return to first principles. What is it that exactly that we are trying to do here? As we solve human coordination problems, what is the human part that we need to make sure we take care of before we start, um, you know, digging into technical implementation? Um, I like to think a lot from an identity perspective about, you know, how can we keep your information on a need-to-know basis? How can we have minimum disclosure, maximum utility? when it comes to the information that matters most to us. Now, I don't mean how do we sell our data most efficiently, right? The goal here is not to extract another $10 before we get served banner ads until we die. Rather, the new model might we might ask is, you know, how can we share less of our data to fewer parties overall so that there is no longer an expectation that those parties will constantly consume our data, that we will be readily available at the beck and call of apps at any hour. But instead, can we reorient our priority around the consent and preference of the user instead of the easiest way to build composable tools? For the average consumer, and I realize it's a hard definition to lay out, but you know, the Web3 you know, know-how Um, The Web3 individual who is aware of the space, is excited for the space, et cetera, right? Um, How much do you think they are influencing this, you know, growing conversation around data ownership? And I ask this because I wonder if right now is an exceptional, exceptional moment where data privacy is an even more important topic 
than it was before to the average individual. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. I definitely think that this moment is heightened for the global community and our shared awareness of what it means to be people. Through the years of the pandemic, we've spent more and more time online. More of our lives are consumed in a screen, and yet those interactions, the very one we're having right now, are equally valid to those that we enjoy in physical space. And so because the merit of our interaction is of equivalent value, you know, why are our rights extended in this plane not similarly protected or similarly robust? So I think that's a question that we're all contemplating together, you know, alone on our couches in in one way or another, or certainly have had the opportunity to in the past months. I also think from a regulatory perspective, we're invited, you know, in, in Europe, GDPR, California, CCPA, many other states here in the United States, we are being invited to think about what our data rights should be. Uh, this is, in, for many folks, the first time they've thought about the fact that they have data rights. So they might even have data rights. Such a thing could exist. As we make our way forward trying to, you know, repair the challenges of Web 2, it's also an opportunity for us to think that, you know, about the fact that there was no malice intended in the design of these initial networks. Web 2 is not inherently bad. It is the challenges of surveillance capitalism as enabled by networked products that have gotten us here. So everyday people, I think, are increasingly aware of the fact that Facebook and Instagram, these social media applications, harm our mental health. Incredible whistleblowers like Francis Hagan have brought to the forefront the fact that, you know, interaction on these social platforms can be so damaging to young women that it can harm their ability to live normal lives. And knowing this information, being aware of these contexts and these, you know, methods of manipulation and interaction from these platforms is a wake-up call to all of us that we need to take a, a harder look at what we demand of our metaverse as we develop the next flavor and version of it. Do you think that the push toward the ability to have an anonymous identity online and, you know, this trend being, you know, particularly popular among people who are involved in the NFT space, you know, blockchain space as a whole, um, metaverse in particular, you know, do you think that that desire for online an- anonymity is contributing to an increase in the desire for data privacy? Or do you think it's going to, you know, guide any decision making? The nerds shall inherit the earth and we are now building the tools to make it so. The act of performing yourself in public space all day, especially through a screen, is exhausting. And so I think more of us are returning to the delight of exploration and presence that is not as heavily weighted to the person that we are in physical space and that we carry with us through so many facets of our lives. The playful opportunity for us to experiment with our identities and to show up in different ways in different contexts and bring different ideas to the forefront is a unique delight of technology. It celebrates our individualism and every spectrum of our creativity and expression in a way that our physical selves can't fully support. And that's so beautiful. But it also means that in order to, you know, preserve this full range of expression, we need to build tools that 
that holds sacred spaces for exploration. So speaking of which, Meta, right, is a company that's operating in the metaverse space now um, and, you know, arguably are like fundamentally at odds with data privacy. Um, So what do you think the tie-in is for institutions, you know, such as Meta and others that are interacting with the metaverse, but also rely on data for profit? Um, What's going to happen? I think the tie-in, for the most part, is linguistic. They both use the word meta. They both use the metaverse. But for your listeners today, and I think you know, for many fellow builders around the world, our definition of the metaverse is not hanging out inside of Mark Zuckerberg's website with an iPad strapped to our faces, right? Like that's not the vibe. And so to the extent that we want to build open, composable networks that you know, allow value to flow and compete on the quality of experience instead of the hoarding of data. You know, the, these entrenched parties who, who have built a, built a business on the backs of their users are going to have an opportunity to revise their hypothesis. That was Evan McMullen. Tune in next week to stay in the loop with What's on the Block. 